Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. If you are looking for retail lumber, not wholesale lumber, and why would you be looking for anything that is retail when you can get it wholesale? In the meantime, I want to tell you about Siltahar Mazda. They have been treating their customers right for nearly 25 years, and right now, check out the Mazda CX-30, a small crossover SUV, all-wheel drive, leather trim seats, outstanding power, and 32 miles to the gallon on the highway. With the way gas prices are going up, 32 miles to the gallon on the highway sounds good, doesn't it? This uh, ride has it all. Take it for a test drive today, and guess what? Most dealerships are low on inventory right now because the supply chains are breaking down. This is not the case with Siltahar Mazda. They've got 36 CX-5s and 40 CX-30s in stock right now. That is a lot of inventory, and they are looking to sell every other place. They are low on inventory, so you know what? The prices are going to be higher. Not at Siltahar Mazda. That is great customer service check them out in broomfield or go to sthmazda.com time now for the buzz the buzz is presented by mighty plumbing and heating why does mighty plumbing and heating have nearly 155 star reviews no one has better service and they will meet or beat any written offer go to mightyph.com all right, let's go out to the hotline. I want to bring in our friend Terry Fry. You certainly remember him from the Denver Post. He does a lot of freelancing around town, including for us on MileHighSports.com. Back on June 11th, he wrote an article called For the Avalanche, another Stanley Cup that got away. And we wanted to bring him in because now that Vegas has been knocked out, did the Stanley Cup really, 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 really get away this time. With that, here is Terry Fry, author of many leather-bound books. As a matter of fact, he has written more books than I have actually read and colored combined. How are you, Terry? Mace has read every single one of them. And, and you know what? Mace has written a lot of books, too. Yes, he has. And I, I am going to chide you now. It doesn't look to me as if your dogs are with you in the studio. Say it again? Your dogs are not with you in the in the studio, and this is take your dog to work day. They're actually in the room with me because I'm doing this remotely, and both my dogs are right here. All right. So I didn't take them to work with me; that I stayed home and brought my work to them. And so this is, and, and so they they are hopefully going to be quiet during this interview. We've uh, no, we took them out. Speak right. up, you know. They they, they, they can, went they out can right before. They should too. be good. Uh, Vinny, the Afghan hound, is sitting here listening too. So, oh, cool. We'll be uh, we'll be well covered in the canine department. Well, I do not have dogs. I do not have pets, but I have roaches and spiders. So there you have it. Let's talk about your article. Uh, does this ring true even more today? Because the Canadians, for lack of a better phrase, upset Vegas. Can you think of what what the writers would be writing in Canada if, say, the Carolina Hurricanes? made the Stanley Cup Finals, winning 24 of their 56 regular season games. You know, there's a double standard of hockey snobbery. You guys have encountered, encountered it a lot, I think, in 
and being around sports, covering it, listening to the cognoscente and the uh, alleged experts and the snobs in the sport. And that's my first reaction is, while the, while the uh, Canadians are an interesting little story, I mean, Patrick Walk carried him to the Stanley Cup in 1993, and that's the last time they were back to the, they were in the finals. And it's just going to be interesting there. But I think it underscored very much so that more so than anything, this was an opportunity that they let slip away. Now, I'm not going to sit here and stop and yell and scream and become a fan about it because that's not my style. But in my opinion, they were clearly in position to claim the Stanley Cup the Stanley Cup this year and let it get away from him. And uh, the, the fact that Vegas lost Montreal frankly surprised me a bit, but I don't think it, I think it just further drives home the point instead of diminishes it, that the Cup was there for the Avalanche to, to take and they didn't do it. Now, the dreaded hypothetical that comes up here, Terry, uh, if the Avs had gotten past the Golden Knights, do you think they would have beaten uh, the Canadians? How do you think that's, that hypothetical series with the Habs would have gone? I just think the, 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 both because of the capabilities of the team, the dynamic and the chemistry involved in all of this, I think the Avalanche would have had a pretty easy time with Montreal. Uh, you know, the, 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 goaltending, the goaltending is always the wild card in, in playoff hockey. So Carey Price you know, would have been a major, major, major factor. And it's capable of stealing a series, so I'm not going to sit here and say that uh, it would have been a romp for the Avalanche, but I think they would have won the series. And it's just more of a, a gut feeling on stylistics and and uh, the skill of the team and everything else. And I don't, I think they could have uh, they could have gotten through that round and been in the Stanley Cup Finals against. That's going to be interesting to, tonight because of if Kucherov doesn't play for Tampa Bay, that changes the chemistry mm-hmm. and the dynamic there. So we'll see what happens. But it, it would have been very interesting to see the Avalanche. I think they would have gotten past Montreal. But, you know, that's even – people say, well, you're making excuses for them or, or alibying for them. No, it's, I think it, it's, you're adding scorn to the idea because they had, it was there for them to take, and they didn't do it. Uh, we are talking with Terry Fry, a longtime author. Of course, he wrote for the Denver Post. He writes for MileHighSports.com. He has written books like Olympic Affair, Saved by Wah, The Witches' Season, and Third Down – and war, and then of course hogs, horns, hogs, Nixon coming. Did I? I didn't get all of them, but I got a few. P- no, no, playing piano in a brothel. I mean, what the yeah. hell kind of title is that? Uh, it's the one my mom suggested. N- nice. Uh, well, I, I don't need to no, know about your family history, piano, Oedipus. <laughs> playing piano <laughs> with a brothel is a play on the old lawyer joke, uh, where uh, where uh, my mom's so ashamed of me being a lawyer, she tells everybody I play piano in a brothel. Nice. In my case, my father was a coach, and my mother was a coach's wife, and their son went over to the dark side and became a sports writer. Uh, nice. I'm going to respect. That was bad. I'm going to kind of respectfully, not fully, but respectfully disagree that the Avs blew it, and I'll tell you why. Because the Vegas Golden Knights, at least in that series. They were the team with the higher hockey IQ. They were uh, a, yeah. Hold, hold on, let me finish. Let me finish. They, they they were a more physical team, but didn't take penalties. When they had opportunities, they took advantage of them. But here's the other thing: with the the way the Avalanche played most of the season, they could make mental mistakes in the regular season and still find a way to win because their offense was so high-powered. Mm-hmm. But in this particular series, there wasn't as much room for error. The Vegas Golden Knights defense was big and was good, and then you had Flurry playing well. So they played, I don't want to say a similar game, 
uh, in the regular season that they did in in the uh, in the series against Vegas. They did make mistakes, but they didn't have to pay for them. So did they blow it? No, they played kind of similar hockey that they did all year. It's just their mistakes finally caught up to them. I don't think what we're talking about is mutually exclusive. I think I could virtually sit here and nod my head, and I, I did, and nod my head and agree as much of what you say. But I, I still think the Avalanche was capable of winning that series against Vegas. They sure. should have won the series against Vegas, despite virtually everything you're saying being true. And I just think that's going to be the epitaph for this team. Uh, I alluded to it in the piece that I wrote for Mile High Sports during the playoffs and went, as kind of the postmortem that – uh, I was struck by the, the, the juxtaposition of Pierre Lacroix's memorial memorial at uh, Inverness, and it always struck me. In, and it was during the series with Vegas, and it always struck me that Pierre Lacroix made little secret of the fact that he thought that the team that he built and that, that was built was capable of winning the Stanley Cup more than twice. When and they did win it twice, but they should have won it more. Maybe at least win one of those two years. They went to the seventh game of the Western Conference Finals against Dallas. And I think this is going to be added to that list of the years they could have and should have won. And I would underline it and circle it and everything else. Now you mentioned in your column you you write quote the one bandwagon view I'm finding myself nodding about though is the talented avalanche at times against Vegas look like a team constructed for the regular season, not the playoffs, unquote. Right. And it kind of got it kind of got me thinking, we have seen in recent years the Caps won back-to-back President's Trophies, fell short in the playoffs, and then, and then the following year after that second President's Trophy won the Cup. The Lightning won the President's Trophy, lost to the Blue Jackets in four in that round one disaster a couple of years back then turned around and won the Cup. So we have seen teams that had those playoff disappointments rebound. Mm-hmm. So maybe what can the Avs learn from the 18 caps from the 20 Lightning that maybe can allow them to take the step they haven't taken? Well, I even I would allude to a football analogy here in Denver. The year the Broncos lost to Jacksonville in the playoffs and kind of learned some things from it off that. I, clearly, this is still a, you know, this team is so young in, in many ways with Kale McCarr, who's, who can be a restricted free agent, but I don't expect he'll go anywhere. Uh, that, that They still have that, I think, a very important combination of savvy guile, vet, some veteran, some veteran uh, savviness and everything else. And I, I think that this team can uh, put it all together next year again and, and learn from this. Maybe, you know, you don't, throw games. I mean, you don't say, geez, we don't want to win the President's Trophy. I mean, if you if you work the math, it's kind of a myth that the President's Trophy is a jinx. Uh, but what you should look at is the idea of, of if it, it, Doug Moe used to be serious about this with the Nuggets and everything else. The idea that, you, that if you let a point or two here get away here for the, the bigger purpose, the bigger long-run uh, agenda involved in, in getting the playoffs being ready being being sharp uh, i think that that might enter into some of their thinking next year both on the bench in the dressing room and uh with jared bednar and his staff i don't suspect that they'll slip significantly in the points it will be tough to compare directly because they have 56 games this year but i do think that maybe they will uh not back off the accelerator times during the regular season but look at the bigger picture and the big picture uh, as they head toward the playoffs, I'm not saying I'm not saying you know you don't 
try to win. You don't you don't put everything on the table. But I think there's also a realization that this team more than ever is going to understand that, it, particularly in hockey, you're defined by your playoff success. Uh, one more thing before we cut you loose. Uh, looking at the salary cap, looking at the guys who are going to be looking for new contracts, and taking a phrase that John Michael Lyles told me after this series was over, you get to the playoffs with your top two lines, and you win in the playoffs with your third and fourth lines, although you certainly need your stars to step up. You mentioned Makar. Makar will be coming back, probably at about $10 million a year. He's going to want a big, fat contract. And then yeah. you have Grubauer, who wants a new contract, unrestricted. You have Landeskog, unrestricted. Saad, Saad, unrestricted. Uh, that, that's not going to be divvied up four ways, and each guy gets $5 million. Now, <laughs> now, I understand. I certainly understand that some guys are not going to be coming back. The Kraken's going to pick a player off the Avalanche roster. So if they need some better third- and fourth-line guys and some more veteran grit... How is this roster better next season than it is this season? I don't know if it can be, but I do think they can come back to construction and chemistry. And Joe Sackick has done a really good job of making bolstering moves the last few years, and he's going to, we're going to, we're going to further test that ability. And the other one that, that people don't talk about very much is you know, he, Nathan McKinnon has two more years left on his contract, right. $6.3 million. Oh, he's not taking yeah. a hometown discount. No way. No, he wants he, it. He, he well, get he kind of already did. Yeah. You know, he took a seven-year contract, seven-year, $44.1 million. And when Nico Grantman ended up getting nine, over $9 million, you know, we were yeah. kind of asking Nathan McKinnon, that, hey, you know, uh, well, it's a hard cap sport. There's no sense bitching about it because that's just the way it is. You can't renegotiate contracts. But you're right, when Nathan McKinnon's co- contract comes up uh, after the 2022-23 season, uh, he, he's going to at least be in that $10 million range. By the so way, it, it's, it's, going to be a, it's going to be a monumental challenge for Joe Sackett, more so than one he's, he's faced even so far. But in the long run, you know, you can almost, this, this is going to sound preposterous, you can almost luck into some kind of those third and fourth line moves because guys just come here and it fit, just fit that role perfectly. And I don't know if they're going to be smart enough, savvy enough, and they've sort of done that, given Joe, Joe Sackett credit for some of his acquisition, acquisitions the last couple of years. He's going to have to pull some, a couple more rabbits out of his hat. I'll tell you one thing, Terry. Let's say for the sake of argument, the Avs won the Cup and McKinnon won the Conn Smythe. And then let's also say for the sake of argument that he wins the Hart Trophy. If he had an office, you know what the nameplate would say on his door? <laughs> It would not say Hart Trophy winner. It would not say Conn Smythe winner. It would say best value in the NHL. And he's, yeah. and he is tired, and rightfully so, of that moniker. Terry, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks, gentlemen. May say hi to your dogs. Oh. We'll do. You say hi to yours for me, too. Wow. Good is, deal. Isn't that Thanks. beautiful? Why don't you guys just FaceTime each other? Uh, coming up after the break, we are going to do our Just Us Guys podcast gambling challenge we got to pick the suns against the clippers tomorrow night and the rockies against the brewers that's next